right, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass. Today's featured, amazing, humble, quiet guest is Navy SEAL John McLaren. John, welcome. How are you today? Great, great. Thanks for having me. And we have Giselle. How are you today? I'm doing well. Yeah, we were well. We were pre-chatting before we hit the record button just about working out because Giselle is a guru at F45 and John's a Navy SEAL. But, John, did you hear the, the, the forecast for today? No. They call for thunder and lightning. Prepare for the storm. I knew there was yes. no way I was Come setting on. myself up for this. I Come just on. easily walked into it. That I wanted to good. make it easy on you, but I was just walking in there. So. Oh, it was perfect. <laughs> I, we, I remember going out with my buddy. Uh, and we just retired he, as a lieutenant colonel, but we were dumb lieutenants. Or, yeah, we're dumb lieutenants. We would go out in the bars in, in D.C. and stuff. We're in Quantico, and we'd find a, a girl or something like that. Hey, are, are you uh, – what was that? We had so many bad lines. It was so that was one of them. That was the, the forecast one. They said, "Hey, do you have the number for a veterinarian?" It's like, "Why?" Because these puppies are sick. Ah, uh, then we're like, "Hey, do you have a band aid?" Like, "Why?" Because I'm so cut. Hey, do you have any ice? Why? I'm so swollen. That's gonna be in a movie now. Oh, it's great. Watching these it was great. Up in a script and put in a movie. Oh, it's good. We would just sit there and ping pong it back and forth and just watch girls crumble and run away. It was, it was great. You know, but it's entertaining. Oh, let's talk about business. Shall we do that? Shall we talk about business? So, John, give us a little bit about your background. I know you're a Navy SEAL and you're kind of a coach now, but in your own words, talk about your military career briefly, and, and we'll just go from there. Just give us your military background. All right, I'll give you the short version. Uh, I spent about 10 years in the military. Um, the first couple was uh, in the intelligence field as a cryptologic technician. I was in the Navy, then I kind of got the bug and uh, applied for and got accepted to uh, BUDS. And then went there and spent the rest of my uh, 10, 10 and a half years uh, at a couple of different SEAL teams. I got out, started to do what a lot of uh, SEAL team folks do is work in contract work, executive protection, all of these things. And slowly but surely, I started to realize the uh, how hurting the kind of professional world was for successful kind of out of the box thinking. You know, I you see it now all over the Internet, people all doing the same thing expecting it to work differently, right? 99% of the people saying they're all doing the 10X program and nobody's even getting 2X out of it. And so I started to realize that a lot of our military work, as you and I have discussed before, a lot of our military background and thinking, uh, once you understood the business world, it was incredibly applicable. And I think you've done that too in your wealth management environment. So the last uh, 20, 25 years have done uh, corporate leadership training, uh, corporate development, even to include active shooter stuff. And I do uh, business coaching, professional development. And one of my uh, most enjoyable things to do is I run the Navy SEAL, Team Eagle One, Navy SEAL, SWIC, and Spec Ops candidate program. Uh, we happen to be the most successful candidate preparatory program in the country, bigger than the Naval Academy and all that stuff. I'm very proud of those young folks because they keep delivering. But that's what I do in a nutshell. It's everything is always under uh, removing the obstacles to success and developing the systems that create success. And I think that's how I kind of got along with you so well. Is I think you're doing the same thing in the in the wealth side, and I'm doing that with the military candidates and the professional development side. So yeah. That's so let's thank you, number one. By the way, thanks for being here. So going back to that point you just made, are you helping them? These high school kids that want to go in the Navy and want to go into Buds or go in Seals or what? What is that? What is that program? Entail? Yeah, thanks for asking. It's one of my favorites. So um, what was happening is about 12 or 13 years ago there was a Navy contract out. Is 
really designed to increase diversity in the SEAL teams, specifically the SEAL teams. And I went to work for that contract for a couple of years. Great bunch of folks, but they had very little success. And uh, as far as creating graduates and bringing that interest, and I really took a look at it like I do with any business and said, look, what's these are fantastic people. What's the obstacle here? So I recreated it. In fact, the first six or eight months, the Navy used to call me and say, hey, you're training these kids too hard. And I said, I know you think so, but that's your in-the-box thinking. They actually came here to work hard to figure out where they're going to be best at. Well, before you knew it, all of a sudden they had this 96% graduation rate coming out of BUDS, which the Navy have about 6 to 9% right now. So uh, so it started to get noticed, and I started to take a look at it. So, the, so what it is, is to answer your question specifically, Please. is it's anyone who's thinking about or is – thinking about joining any one of the services for special forces, special operations, but I train to the SEAL team level. I train to the level where you should be a solid candidate for BUDS training uh, because by definition that means you'll do exceptionally well or well above average in any other program. So most of the time our, our average candidate is 18 to 29 years old. In fact, this Sunday we start up a new program in Northern California so it's very exciting. There'll probably be four or five people there the first day and then hundreds by the end of the year. So it's exciting. And they work hard. I, I find this a lot that the civilian world has kind of watered down standards. Anxiety's up. Confidence is down. Strength is up in a couple of areas, as Giselle was pointing out earlier. A lot of programs are not well-rounded enough to really, really create a well-rounded, strong person as like her programs are designed to create. So that's it. It's uh, it's called Team Eagle One. Team Eagle yeah, One. That's cool. I have to look at that. So is that a, it's a is it a day? You you is it like a campus? Is it you show up and work for four hours? Show work, work out for two hours? Like what what is it? Is it a year training program? Yeah. Or what? Great Let's question. I have a there's an online version and an in person version because of course I'm one person and I run one program and I'm not going to uh, most people are not going to meet me. So. We always have free programs for one thing. In fact, I always say it's a nonprofit that I run and I fund myself for the most part. Uh, you know all about that from all the great <laughs> special projects. <laughs> you no fund yourself. Yeah, exactly. So I know you, uh, you feel my pain and the satisfaction, but, um, it's a nonprofit we run. So I have an in-person program in California and then we have the online programs every week. So we work with folks who are actually in the delayed entry program. The challenge there is that. The Navy used to guarantee a candidate six months to prepare when they got contracted. Now you might have six to eight weeks and straight up, you're not going to make it like almost a zero percent chance on a six to eight week notice to make it. But the military is hurting the civilian bar of preparation and structure and, you know, has um, has really, really come down in the last 15 or 20 years measurably. I try to catch these young folks as early as I can saying you really need you know, six, nine, 10, 12 months. If you're really committed, if you're not really committed, you won't make it then. So that's why the age group is all over. And I have different classes. I have one for the delayed entry folks and one for anyone. Uh, they can always sign up on my website. That's always free as well and completely online. I've been actually shocked on what we've been able to accomplish with our online program. I thought losing the in-person component would actually devastate it, but it turns out, uh, I started to find ways around that. Again, removing obstacles so that young hard chargers at a distance aren't uh, obstructed or kept back from success. 
just because they don't live near me. So that's it. And then in person uh, up in Northern California, we have in-person training, which is, as I say, it's biblical. It's um, devastating. We have people on TikTok seem to love to watch it because they love watching military training, but it's a strong program. It's as mental confidence building and anxiety minimizing as it is physical. We teach biomechanics of exercise as the three of us were talking about earlier. And that's just not taught in many places in the world at all. I worked at, you know, I've been to USC and looked at their football program and watched their injuries. And I think colleges like that pay top dollar and they just don't understand biomechanics, don't know how to teach it. So we have a, our program has a 0% injury rate in the active duty Navy. So the BUDS program has about 30 to 40% injury rate. If you come from our program, it's zero. I think we probably saved the Navy 2 million bucks on that alone, but, uh, is a thankless job. As you know, this volunteer stuff <laughs> is a thankless job. We have to be driven by per, per, personal purpose here. So no, I, I agree. Now, thanks for sharing that. I think, well, you made a comment. You were surprised that the, I guess, participation or success of your program did not drop off just because it was virtual. We have to think of your audience. If your audience is someone who's motivated and wants to go and do buds or rangers, whatever, that's a certain kind of person. So that person already is, should be self-motivated if they're even thinking about it. So someone who has that drive, desire to go in, into buds and knows what's coming or has an idea of what's coming is the self-starter. That's, that's the kind of person that would be in that program that would succeed in the first place. Right. So I, for you to say, Oh, I was surprised to see it went so well. I'm actually not because if you're the yeah. kind of person that's going to go into or wants to be in seals and wants to go to buds, you already have certain sort of mindset that you want to do this and you're looking for the skills to to win that game right to build the advantage on your side so i i i don't think you, i don't think you should be surprised i think you should the people who are coming are people that are serious about it. you don't do buds training because you're f- for fun maybe i would say now guys and gals who are out and have had their time and they want to get re-engaged and invigorated physically that like doing that training program for a year i think could be an option just to get your challenge yourself and push yourself not to go yeah. in it, but just to re-engage at a high level. Like I, I still try and do at least 20 dead hangs every morning still before I start my yeah. day. Maybe brush my teeth first and then I can still do 20 dead hangs. I think they moved up to 23 now, but I, I don't mind still doing that. Everyone's like, are you kipping? Are you this? Like, no, I just do, if you do it every day, it's not that big a deal. Right. But sure, that first sure, yeah. day, first day you yeah. do one pull up, well, that's all you can do. And then. How do you get two? Well, do one twice, <laughs> right? And then how do you get three? You, you keep going. So you all start somewhere, and that's more about maintaining at that level. Yeah, very sensible. In fact, we have uh, we always have a bunch of civilians there. As I often tell people, I'm a mentor, not a recruiter. So my number one focus or mission is to raise the bar in naval special warfare, which has been declining slowly. Remember, the military is a mirror and a magnifying glass on the civilian world. So when you watch the the military standards across the board have just dropped to almost zero. So almost any body fat and almost any aptitude and educational level can now join the military as of a couple of months ago. And people talk about, well, the military standards are dropping. No, the civilian standards are dropping and we can't fill the space in the military. I use an expression that you can understand from your history. An A in the civilian world is a C in spec ops you know, or enable special warfare. So, so if somebody thinks they're an A player out here, they're very likely, they're more likely to be a C player 
in special operations than anything else. The other point you made is really great is that um, our Team Eagle One program is uh, it's designed to raise rising, you know, the rising tide raises all boats. About 50% of the people that pass the test to get into special forces, naval special warfare should never be there. Not even on day one. They should never be allowed. They're going to get injured. They're going to be devastated. They're going to be ashamed of themselves. They're going to be demoralized. Things I would never wish on my kids. I would never wish on your kids. And uh, so one of the great points of our program is if you start to follow it, you become very clear where you belong. So you'll make a choice that you belong in, that you can be the top 10% in, that you're not failing. I had a recruiter tell me the other day, he said, oh, that's okay. Just let them go. They'll find the right job after they quit. And I said, I'm glad you're not sending your kids with that mentality. Wait till they fail out of the program or get permanently injured. So uh, every special forces, every unit has an incredibly low level of entry. It, the, the basic level of entry is guaranteed to fail 100% of the time. They will not graduate, but it's a recruiting tool for the services. As the Navy has been fond of telling me over the years, the BUDS program, the uh, Navy SEAL program, is the number one recruiting tool for the entire Navy. Yep. They put more people into the Navy into other rates by using BUDS. So in our program, we have an expression, you don't work this hard and not know exactly who you are. And so what happens is we always talk to him about this. Hey, you're not on this path, but you're on this path at a very high level. So what we have a 100% enlistment rate because these young folks say, well, thank you. Finally, someone's helping me figure out where I belong. And they're not just telling me that I can make it because you can't. If someone is anywhere near the entrance level passing, you are not graduating. 100% of the time, you have a 0% chance of graduating and you have a 40% chance of getting injured either temporarily or permanently. But those are recruiting tools for the military. So one of the reasons I do this is to make sure it's not your kids and my kids and our friends' kids who are uh, led down a path that they cannot succeed in. So you'd never see a place like Yale or Harvard do it. Because if Yale or Harvard had a 90% failure rate, nobody would go there because their entrance requirements would be so misaligned. But, uh, but the Navy has it. So I'm off my soapbox on that one, but no, but it, make, it makes important. sense. Uh, it makes sense. I, I heard from someone recently, I think that the military just can't find bodies right now. They said the qualification no. standards, Americans, they're, they're just, they're fat, they're obese and they just can't make the basic standards and they keep dropping and keep dropping just to get, get bodies which is yeah. is a reflection on society, and that's a whole nother conversation. A few weeks ago, they brought them down unprecedented levels. Like uh, it's it's they lowered it to the point where the next step would have to be anybody who can pass the medical exam. So they're they're so low. And you're right. I I'm I've been in this game for like 38 years now. I've never seen. It's never been like this. It has never been like this. It has never been so hard to find people. And I'll tell you, I work with some universities for sports and leadership training. They're having a hard time finding incoming freshmen in college who can meet the requirements to be on the sports teams. It's never the standard. In the academic side or the sports? In, in athletics. 
in athletics. But there you go to your point, the specialty science, the microscopists, the specialty science arenas. Uh, I work with a couple of nursing schools with the professors there. Uh, they cannot get nurses to make it through the probation period because of critical thinking and stress and personal stress related issues of the same job. So the top end has bailed during the pandemic and the bottom end said, well, what we're talking about today is actually systemic and we can measure it. I've measured the graduation rates for 23, 24 years. And because it's somewhat confidential, we won't go into specifics, but it's been a steady decline in about five years ago, just like the nursing schools, just like specialty sciences. About five years ago, the rates plummeted. They actually cut down to a third or a quarter of what they were used to. It's a frightening time. Programs, you know, 2018. Oh, give or take. And don't, and don't think one thing happened there. See, when you track it for 23 or 25 years, you realize it's actually been a steady decline. But I'll explain it like this. If your house, if every year there's heavy rains and the foundation is eroding out from under your house, you're not, your house is not going to move for a certain amount of years. And then one year your house is going to fall down the hill. And it just was about five years ago that the house fell down the hill. People who are politically hot or motivated will say, that's because of this. Actually, if you track it, for about 23 to 25 years, uh, we've been sliding downhill. Uh, so now those people who were in the slide are instructors and the system has been handed over at 4% less and 4% less and 4% less. So what used to be a 15 or 20% graduation rate is now four to seven. At the same standard. Those are just, those if that standard's through. been maintained. Yeah. Yeah. So all you can do is what you're talking about. All you can do is drop the standards. Because you still have the jobs. You still have to put boots on the ground in nursing, in sciences, in whatever. So we just lower the standards because someone, people have said to me, I can't believe the military is lowering their standards. And I said, in place of what? Clothes? <laughs> what were they just, just, they just shut down? <laughs> they have to fill those, they have to put boots, feet in those boots. <laughs> so it's a scary time. And I think um, the three of us, all the stuff we're doing and Another million people like us in their own way are all are all chipping away at the problem. It's an unwinnable war, but we certainly can slow the degradation of what's happening for all of our young folks uh, who just don't have the critical thinking and problem solving structure and training and education that they used to come out of high school with and definitely came out of college with. Those days are gone. So it's up to these small groups and specialty schools and specialty programs and moments like this conversations like this that that bring awareness to it yeah no i think you bring up a valid point and it's in business too it 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 does permeate and these are conversations giselle is much younger than me we have these conversations and it's not dirty laundry it is what it is sometimes she's like brett i don't know what's going on just tell me what to do right i just it's a new skill just tell me what to do and I'll, i'll do it that's the easy way military it's like here's an opportunity you try something first Right. You can fail and you learn, come back. Okay. Here's the, here's the objective. Here's the goal. I'm going to try this may not work, but at least you're thinking you're trying and you're failing and learning from that failure versus just tell me what to do. And so I, I don't know when that mindset changed where that's okay to just mm. tell people what to do. Like no one wants a workforce of monkeys. <laughs> just doing or robots well maybe they want robots and they just pay them a certain amount and buy them and they never have to pay them again there's no break that's a whole nother conversation but critical thinking and thinking through problems and thinking or knowing how to think 
That's because that's what university used to be. The purpose of university wasn't to really learn a skill set. There's a, a trade school that gives you a specific skill set. I always yeah. view, especially undergrad, you're learning how to learn. You're learning how to learn. So you can take a class, like Psychology 101. All I think I remember is like Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs and Pazlov's Dog. <laughs> I just taught a class okay. on that last night. I just last night I pulled out Maslow's and said, let me show you how leadership is created. It's actually the baseline of Maslow's. Leadership skills or traits are an intended consequence of those efforts. So I, uh, I teach the neuroscience of leadership and, uh, and the small behaviors that a company would have to take to increase retention, profit, performance, all those things. And uh, as you just said, it's just science. It's just chemistry. Awesome. Well, that's all I remember from Psych 101. Maybe that and something else. But so with that, the main thing was, hey, here's a skill set. Okay. I can learn this particular bit of information or knowledge, whether I use it or not, doesn't matter. I learned it I, and I know it. Can you apply it? So then you can, once you have the skills on how to learn something, you can learn anything. That's really what entrepreneurship is really learning how to learn. And then you have an opportunity. You see, you see an opportunity. Then how do you take your skills of learning to take the opportunity to help pro- solve some problem? That's all business is. All any business is, is solving someone else's problem. And if you can solve someone else's problem, you get revenue because <laughs> people buy your stuff. Yeah. And, and that's how, that's how the economy works is really just nothing but identifying problems and trying to make things better and easier. We're all just striving, striving to move forward. But it's, you're, you're right. It's interesting if, as technology has moved forward and social media and all these other areas, it really is, oh, that's a group thing because everything's, right there at your fingertips and Facebook and, and you can see what's right or wrong and the participation warts sort of coming and just thanks for trying. You used to be, no, you mm-hmm. lose, you're, you're a loser. You're not number one. <laughs> if you're not number one, you're number two. I guess what number two is. Number two is not number one. You lost. <laughs> right? Well, I look at, with all you're saying too, I look at the name behind you, Strategic Wealth Endeavor. And even in your name, strategic means you got to think about stuff. And it's it's wealth, but it's an endeavor. It's a path. It's a path. Uh, one of the, th- you asked when the shift started, and I don't know. I was, like I said, I've only tracked this for about 23 or 24 years. So I only have that far. I don't know if it, if the decline started before then in the, in the areas of business and military success and injury stuff and that I track. But, um, if you notice the entire internet sells done for you, this is the entire internet sells instant guru. It doesn't sell strategic. I have to think about money and it's a journey. It's a navigating, it's a navigation. So when I looked at, as you started talking, I looked at your company name again. I thought, well, there it is. There's the science in that is I have to think about this constantly focused on the end result in, in this case of wealth. And then it's a constant journey to navigate. There is no, whenever I see something online that says in 30 days, I'll create this for you. You should run away from that company. You know, I always say to people, someone said, you actually guarantee money back? I said, I do. Because I don't, if we're not going to work together and act, there's no, as you pointed it out, if you follow certain steps, you will increase your business. If you train your people a certain way and yourself, you'll retain more people and they will perform uh, higher. This is something the civilian world seems to miss at times. So yeah, I can guarantee that we will increase 30 to 100% in every area we touch every year because you to use a double negative you can't not do that when you're doing strategic wealth 
navigation. <laughs> no, <laughs> you, know, you, you so. get it. You get it. So I appreciate that. Number one, you have no idea how much time and thought actually went into the name of the firm for that very reason. Mm-hmm. We did a rebrand last year. It was my name. It's not about me. You don't come to work with me because of me. You work because you have your own. You're on your wealth endeavor. And if I can help bring some strategy to it, Together, we win. That's exactly how it came together. So I think you are the first person, Giselle. Have you actually ever noticed another professional look at our name and look into our name that well? So sign of respect is awesome because you nailed it. And there's so much thought in that name. Most companies just have a name, but there was so much time and thought and going back and forth. Like we're going to use another word, but I couldn't use that word. It was promissory and compliance came back. Like there was so much time in our name. It's ridiculous. So I want to thank you for that. And then you made me think of a personal business story, which I'll share, which I think is prudent for the podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a vendor that will help you get clients. will help you do this. will help you. Okay, great. And I went in and I said, I'll do them. And then they had a cost. Okay. So I'll pay you X, but I need an ROI. If I don't get an ROI, you don't get to keep this. Right. I'm not coming here for a participation award. I'm coming here for results. Oh yeah, it's going to work. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And okay, let's roll. And so we tried and we played and played and they wanted me to play the game a certain way. I'm not going to play the game your way because it wasn't me. It wasn't authentic. It wasn't, wasn't just who I, who I am. And I don't compromise my standards or qualities. I just don't do it. If it doesn't feel like me, it's not, it's not going to be me. Long story short, it didn't work. I said, okay. Well, thanks. Uh, I want to get my refund. He's like, refund? I'm like, yeah, I I didn't make a dollar on this. We didn't get one client. So that was our agreement. He's like, well, Brett, didn't we try? <laughs> I was like, what did you just say? He's like, didn't, didn't we try to people. help you? Didn't we try? I'm like, I'm sorry. Could you spell well, that? I, I, I almost not, blew really, up. I'm not really clear what you're saying. Right. I almost <laughs> just blew up. I'm like, did I did I try? Of course, I tried. You tried. Did we get a dollar in? Did we succeed? No, we didn't have one bit of success, and that was our original agreement. It's like, I've never refunded anyone money before. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's on there. That's on them. That's their bad. But I told you from the beginning, day one, if I fail, you fail. If I win, you win. And actually, they quit me. So I said, if you're quitting me, you're refunding me. And, and they're like, we've never had to do this before. And they did. So same thing comes to it. It's not about a participation award. And we talk about it sometimes. If you fail in business, revenue doesn't come in. Revenue doesn't come in. You, you don't have cash flow. You have cash flow. You can't pay bills. <laughs> right? Like, should you I tell you- Giselle, hey, Giselle, I'm going to try and pay you. <laughs> just try like, or do you actually want to get paid right? I, I, yeah, she's like, we're not huh? playing that game <laughs> yeah, you can't you can't at the end of the day you either succeed in business or you don't and if you fail you close your doors right so you know i have found something i think i put a post about this or a blog post about it the other day saying i grew up in 56 i grew up in a world where when you called a huge company you were like okay it's so good. It's so great. They're a big company, publicly traded. They're going to solve my problem. I'm going to get a real person. They're not going to just profusely apologize to me. And now I said, we're in a world where I think, ah, oh, crap, it's a publicly traded company. They'll never solve my problem. And they're going to have three, four levels of bullshit before I get to someone who's going to profusely apologize, wonderfully kind. I'm already losing my mind and they won't be able to solve the problem. The larger that, remember the time where they said too big to fail. 
said, actually, if you look at neuroscience and the science of business, they're too big to succeed anymore, but they can still make money because they're dominant marketing position, even though they're collapsing. We saw this in Fannie and Freddie. We see it on, on Wall Street issues. We see it on all these things. We say it's too big to fail, but I think there's a point where you get too big to succeed because the dots don't connect anymore. The other thing I found that I think speaks to you and I, because we're smaller and medium businesses, is um, the more polished your front end is, the fewer deliverables they actually come through with. And that's heartbreaking because I grew up in a world where salespeople were horrible. Now they're smooth as silk, super kind. They take their time, but nobody can deliver the product that they sold you. So I always now I have kind of a general bias that says uh, if they're too smooth up front and there's what I call the house always wins guarantee, we'll work with you for free until you win. That is like inviting your ex-wife to come live with you and calling it a win. You know, is to say, all right, because we still have to know each other, just move in. The worst relationship of your life is the business that didn't work out for you. And their guarantee is we'll work for free with you until it succeeds. Who would do that? Who would voluntarily walk into that nightmare? But it sounds like a great guarantee. I call that the house always wins guarantee because the customer cannot win in that environment. Because who wants to work with a company who doesn't produce for longer than they actually paid for, you know, crazy. All right, John, that was, that was a good point. So regarding just your business now moving forward, what are you, what are you seeing from most of your corporate clients? What is the number one challenge or issue you're seeing that they're faced with that they're engaging you to help them solve? You know, I think uh, that's a great question too, because I have found that I'm fond of saying that no great quarterback would think there should coach the team. And so I think one of the biggest challenges corporations face is they assume that the quarterback and the coach is the same position and they're the quarterback. And so what happens, I always say, uh, I joke and always say I'm a business breakthrough ninja because, or, uh, but it was originally called strategist. Well, because the idea is you ever watch someone else's chess game and you say, Oh, I see the two moves that would change your whole outcome. Uh, again, I mentioned earlier that I teach the neuroscience of leadership and behavior. It's impossible to coach your own game. I'm always sitting in mentor groups and classes and everything because hearing them is different than me organically thinking it. And I spend a lot of time, as you both do, we spend a lot of time thinking about problem solving and everything. So I really want to hear it. One of the biggest issues I find is when I talk to executives and business owners, small to medium business owners are just stuck. They're stuck in the middle of the worst or the most chaotic football game of their life. So it's impossible for them to coach. And then when I work with larger business, we're in the hundreds of millions to multi to the billion dollar business or above. What happens there is no one can connect the I's and dot the T's. The standards have dropped so low in consistency. So I talked to a business, a corporate owner the other day, and he said, um, I said, look, let's take a look at your people first. And he said, why would I do that? I'm interested in profit. And I thought, there you go. That's the single greatest thing I run into is I have to phrase the conversation differently. I wrote it down this morning, actually, unrelated to this for a class I was doing, is that we have people, performance, and perception equals product profit. They could call that the same thing, product and profit. But if if I'm not training my people to function at their best, 
So I don't mean, you know, we used to hear Jim Collins say, oh, put the right people in the right seats on the bus. It doesn't matter what seat they're in. If I haven't trained them to be highly functional apex predators in that seat. If that's and what that so seat, reasons, if that's, if that's what that seat needs. Yeah. In fact, I, about 18 years ago, I started to look, I was in an airport. I used to travel around all the time and do so much leadership stuff. Plus I do a ton of, or did uh, at that time, a ton of domestic violence work, stalking work, um, personal protection work. So I was always in airports. And have you ever been in an airport and you looked at the bookstore, there shouldn't be a problem, personal or professional left, because every issue is answered in the airport bookstore. Those authors are amazing. They're super educated. They truly, when you read it, you think we should all be rock stars, every one of us, but we're not. So about 18 years ago, I sat down and said, we're not just stupid. There's all these authors, all these books. Why is every company buying the same stuff, having the same trainings, reading the same books and not changing? So I went to work on it. And I really found the answer in, whole, in the whole neuroscience of uh, and human biology saying, oh, there's rungs missing on the ladder. So when you read those books, those books say, here's rung five, here's rung nine, here's rung 12 on a 20, 30, 40 big tall ladder. And I thought what's missing is your brain, the human brain cannot take big jumps. It can't add great big logic. It has to go next step, next step, next step. So I started creating programs called Leadership Biomechanics. And Leadership Biomechanics was, what is the next step? And I'll give you an example. I'll give you a fun example. People always say, oh, leaders have integrity. Well, I asked, I was at USC actually not too long ago, talking to the midshipmen. And I said, can anyone tell me what integrity is? And the room went silent, right? Room went silent. Midshipmen didn't someone, know that? Yeah. Well, because we all think we know what it means, but integrity is a sliding scale depending on your stress level. 100% of the time, if you're, if you imagine if you and your family were in serious trouble, your personal integrity would shift immediately to adapt to that situation. So integrity is not a thing. It's not a thing you buy. So I always liken it to say a brain doesn't understand what integrity means, but we use words like these. So you read them in the airport bookstore and you say, Oh, so great. I'm going to develop trust in my corporate teams. I'm going to do this. We don't actually know what that is until you teach first rung, second rung, third rung. So when I work with a group of people, I'm always saying you should find yourself to be 30 to 40% more productive, 30 to 40% more organized, 30 to 40% more patient within a few weeks, within a few weeks, because that's the rungs. Those are the rungs that are missing. So one of the things I talk about when you said, what's the biggest issue? The biggest issue is everybody wants profit. And we can often confuse sales with profit. So that's one of them. And then we train our people to do a skill, which is fantastic and necessary, but we're not training our people to actually elevate their potential. That's a different type. And I'll equate this to the Navy and the Marine and the, uh, the Marines and, you know, the Air Force and Army, as we talked about earlier. When we first started talking, we said the standards are dropping. Remember, the military has never taught leadership. They say they do. The civilian world used to develop basic leadership traits, and we stopped doing it. So our critical thinking and our problem solving, exactly what you pointed out earlier, all that stuff stopped being taught. The structure, the consequences, they all went away, or mo many of them went away. So what we have in the military is the military never taught leadership. The SEAL team certainly didn't teach leadership. 
they teach management under stress. Management under stress is not leadership. The leaders emerge because of the work they do on their own or all these different things. So leadership biomechanics is truly a leadership training your brain to have greater demonstrations of integrity, problem solving, critical thinking, you know, empathy, all those things. So very exciting for me because every one of us alive has our brain working. So we all elevate to some degree, which means the whole team rises together to whatever degree they're capable of. Super exciting. Your profit is a direct result of that. And then the other thing is helping business owners understand that your sales, sure, sales lead to profits, but doubling your sales does not mean doubling your profits. You might only have to increase 10% to double your profits. And strategic wealth endeavor, you know exactly what I'm talking about saying, look, if you just keep doing that, you're not going to, you're not going to create the same wealth as if we did this and this. You know, it's your your business. I don't give specifics because I'm not yeah. educated in that area as you are. No, I think it's what well, you made a couple good points there. So I'll touch on the last one, and then I want to come back to your definition of integrity again because that's still sticking with me. So I actually was part of a mastermind group, and they were chatting one gentleman. Actually, it was a really good point, and he said, you know, think about when you first got into whatever job or career you're in, and you made your first hundred grand, or some of you're still working on your first hundred grand. And like, wow, I made a hundred grand this year. And now maybe you're a little bit beyond that. It's like, what's stopping you from making that a month? And it was kind of quiet. And then, well, I'm going to tell you what you did to make your first hundred grand is not going to be the exact same thing you need to do to make a hundred grand a month. And that actually stuck with me. It's, it was one of those Tony Robbins kind of things. There were, yeah, but definitely. it actually, that part made sense. That resonated. And actually, I'll go back to that another point he made. You were talking about Grant Cardone and 10X and there's Tony Robbins and all these motivational people just think and you're just going to have – no, 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 no. I call bullshit and I'll tell you why because with all these gurus and the motivational coaches that will take 5, 10, 15, 20, 30,000 for a session to sit there and it's going to fix you and you're going to be amazing when you walk out, you can be as motivated – you can be the most motivated person in the world. Motivation doesn't mean you have the skill set to accomplish a particular job. Just because you're motivated and just mindset, you feel good about something and you want to do it doesn't mean you have the skill set to do it. So if you want to do something and you don't have the skill set and you don't have the, you don't have the skill set to recognize that you don't have the skills to get the skills that you need, you're not, you're never going to move forward. And so people just keep spending money and spending money and spending money. There's one Tony Robbins. There's not millions of Tony Robbins after all these years and all these people he's taught. Think about it. If, if you're a listener right now, you do Tony Robbins, Grant Cardone. How, why isn't everyone them now, right? If it's so easy to be them and they're teaching, they're giving you all their quote, quote, guru ways away that you can buy from them. Why is not everyone a guru like Grant Cardone and or Tony Robbins? Why aren't we all? So it's at the end of the day, you can be as motivated as you want to do well. But I think, and this is my personal opinion in business, if you can't recognize, or if you're trying to accomplish a goal or a mission or whatever it is, increase sales, increase, increase productivity, increase efficiency, and if you don't have the skill set to do that, it doesn't matter how much you want to. You have to acknowledge you don't have the skills, and you go either find some of the skills or you go learn the skills yourself. And so I'd say in business, it's normally easier to find a professional that already has those skills and compliment you and get from A to B faster than you take the time to learn. But if you've got the time, 
and the profits there that you can take the time to learn, and that's okay. So what are your thoughts there? And then I, I do want to yeah. go back to the definition of integrity. Sure. But I, I love what you said. You you just kind of summarize in your own way. We're missing rungs on the ladder. We could be super motivating, but that's one or two rungs. So uh, and also success makes you super motivated. So I can go and sit in a seminar and have people pump me up, and I love it. I love it, right? It's like you know watching a American Idol, right? Who doesn't like to watch great singers and I'll do that? So the fun things, but those rungs are missing. And I often say this: eventually, you have to do something. And you have to do it well enough to know you might not be the person to do it, which is what you said. You just said it in your own way. See, this is what I mean. The answers are all out there. And what happens when we look for constant inspiration is eventually I go back and I say it to the SEAL team candidates all the time. I'll say, look, I don't care how much willpower you have if you're not strong enough. If you don't have the lower leg intelligence to move an ankle through the sand and the endurance in every single area as Giselle, as we were all talking about before, if you don't have a fully functional uh, strength in multiple areas, your willpower is not relevant. If you do, it becomes relevant. The strong, the most, the greatest willpower in the world who can't lift that rubber boat will not make it and they will get injured and their willpower is now their biggest weakness because they're ignorant. They're ignorant. They're just uneducated, right? Ignorant. They're ignoring, ignorant. They're ignoring the other aspects that were required in making that happen. And you just summarized that so perfectly. I tell it to the candidates all the time. They said, well, it's just mind over matter. No, it's not. <laughs> there is a skill set and there is a behavior pattern and there is an evolution of training that has to be part of your business. Otherwise, you're going to spend your life in chaos. And it's painful. And then you're working seven days a week and 84 hours a week and doing all these things. So, yeah, you notice how I use the expression in neuroscience that all systems duplicate themselves, meaning that if what I'm saying resonates and has any truth to it, your phrasing should match. And it did. It did saying, look, that's fantastic that you got this. But we also needed this and this and this. And I needed someone who was better than me at this. And so I couldn't go, oh, look, a squirrel, and focus on that for eight weeks. I needed to hire someone or match up with someone. So training your people to to unlock their potential, to fill up the rungs in their ladder is one of the most, one, it builds retention. Remember, I say to corporations, if your people leave, you want it to be because they're going to succeed at such a high level that you are the Yale and Harvard and MIT that produced them because there is no better recruiting tool than to shove out people who are functioning at that level. If someone leaves, it's because the only position left for them was to start a company just like yours because there was no hire. And then you become this business card and they do over a year. They develop this place that says, if you leave us, you're going to be so highly sought after that we have become the place to work, which means we get the top talent for little effort and all those things. So really amazing. Again, if you just, if we look at the neuroscience of leadership, what's happening is the human brain, I say this all the time, the human brain is designed to be average or just less than average. It is designed to say, if you don't do what Brett just said, if you don't take your willpower and your motivation and surround yourself with the right people and the right learning and constantly learn, and then find people who are better than you to take up space as well and do things, you are constantly going to move towards average or less than average. Our brain is first fear-based. We train it to be 
positively critical thinking, problem solving, empathy based. That is probably one of the most misunderstood concepts in business. People open their business, build their business and run their business as a fear based limbic system training response. You can't create your IQ drops up to 30 points. Hmm. Your problem solving critical thinking doesn't exist anymore. It just goes dry. So we end up running off of anxiety. Okay. Off of anxiety. So it's all solvable, by the way, because our brain does what we train it to do. It's true. It's exactly very true. Well, that's why. We train it to do. That, that's why in the military, it's like you will train as you fight, fight as you train, right? So if you train, it, you're not in a stressful situation. You're just reacting. You're not even thinking. You're just executing. You know. So two yeah. two practical little stories here from our little firm uh, that resonate when we were just chatting, and to the example of skill set. So Giselle. I'm going to put her on the spot. She doesn't know what's coming, but she's been helping with our social media and she creates our, some things for the podcast. She does some work for it and we're, we're going a different direction with another media and we have another team that we use, which is also veteran owned. We try, and if you're a veteran entrepreneur, my only plug is try and find other veterans in business. If you need partners, find them. So most of our vendors we work with are veterans. So we have a firm we use that's veteran owned, another Marine. And we're going another direction. It's an area where Giselle does on the skill set and she's trying, right? She's trying as best she can. They're like, okay, we can take the time for you to learn and kind of figure it out and try, or we have the experts do what the experts do and we watch and learn. So we'll let them do it. We watch. And then it's the next time we have the skill set and the expertise to try our own and we should be at that level or higher, which, you know, for Giselle, it feels like we're taking something away, right? And not saying you can't do it. But like, let's, let's watch the experts go first. Let's just lead by example. Let someone else who really knows go and see what happens there. And so we're in that right now. And so that's the conversation we had yesterday. We're going to see where it goes to that point. I'll give a personal example. There is an area of business, which I offer. And I will say that I'm book smart there, but I don't have the most practical experience. So I found what I call my Yoda in that area that the, the Jedi master of this particular area of business. And I invited him in and he's been mentoring me and we have a client with us so that needs their solution that will benefit from their solution. And I just said, look, I, this is my expertise. I've been doing this 20 years. I haven't done this for 20 years. <laughs> so I'm going to bring in my Yoda to run this meeting and I'm going to watch and learn. And so Yoda came in and Yoda did his thing and Yoda has his style. I, I have my style. And the meeting, meeting was okay. And then we have another client which could benefit from a similar solution. I said, I'll run this meeting. And actually I was, I originally wanted to have Yoda there, but Yoda had to go golf and Yoda couldn't be there. It was, it was a weekend call. And it's like, I'll run it solo. And so I just took my notes from watching what Yoda did the first time and saw the material and I went through it my own way, made it my own. And I, I presented, did my part and killed it. I absolutely crushed it. And then I was looking at what happened the first time with Yoda. Like if I would have done it my way now that I know, like Yoda wasn't as impactful as I thought Yoda was going to be. And so that's for me. I learned. I know how the skill set, but I watched an expert do their thing first, looked at the good, looked at the bad, tweaked it to make my own better. You always look at the good lessons, learn from the bad ones, and then improve from there. Just like my parents, I'll say humbly, my mom smoked cigarettes, I'll never smoke cigarettes. My dad drank whiskey, I'll never drink whiskey because it's certain you learn from the bad and don't do the bad, but you take from the good and that's okay. So like I'm hoping as we go through the same process and Giselle's going through this, when we have this new medium, 
She'll see what they do. Okay, first time they got draft one, but any time after that, Giselle's going to see how they did it. Then she can take what they did well, own it, love it, live it. What they didn't do well, get rid of it. So our next version is even better than what they did. You know, so what you just shared, I'm trying to think practically how we apply that in business. Those are two examples right there. Yeah, and I love it. There's a great neuroscience researcher, and I uh, wish I could remember his name right now, but sometimes uh, to do a podcast, I'm uh, get a little bit focused since I'm not a TV person. Uh, and one of the things he says is, if I've done my job, you should know less when we're done talking than you did when we started. Because, and this was my own transition and working on neuroscience things for so long, is now when your brain, here's a very interesting thing, when your brain thinks in terms of right or wrong, that's your fight, flight, or freeze system. So if I'm thinking you're absolutely right, well, that's kind of an enthusiastic version of fight, flight, or freeze. I'm mixing some chemistry there, but whatever. There's no test on it later. And if I say, oh, I totally disagree with that, then now I'm definitely activating my fight, flight, or freeze system. I'm promoting it. It was activated anyway. And so what happens is now my ability to think and hear. I get tunnel vision, tunnel thinking, tunnel hearing. So over the years doing all this work, your brain starts to listen to people like when you talk or when Giselle was talking earlier, that it starts to think, that's so interesting, the way you're phrasing that. That's so interesting. And it stops deciding whether you're right or wrong because those are fight, flight, or freeze responses. Yes, you're right. We're safe. No, you're wrong. I'm not safe around you. It's constantly trying to make those decisions. So in a good training program, what happens is you start learning from each other so much faster. And so what you're saying really speaks to it is, so uh, one of the things I throw out there for your listeners is if you find yourself saying, oh, I totally agree or I disagree, catch yourself, catch yourself and say, no, what is it Brett's saying that's really interesting? What is it Giselle's saying? When I got booted off before, I was like, Giselle's sitting so still. That's interesting. Really, my screen had frozen. We edited that out. That No one even knows that that's, happened. That's how dumb I am. So- so think about right, wrong, good, bad, agree, disagree. They're all, they're all indicators that your IQ is dropping, your available IQ. They're all indicators that you won't hear as well. You won't think as well. But you have to train your prefrontal cortex because you can't take something away from your brain. I can't say stop thinking about green monkeys. You're That's going to do. think about green monkeys. But what I can say is let's think about great big pink elephants. See the difference? Automatically, I even thought of pink elephants. You can't take something away without replacing it. We're constantly telling our employees what not to do. We actually train them what to do and they move out of what not to do. It works 100% of the time. And I'll tell you, you ever hear people talk about empathy? In a group of corporate folks, they might roll their eyes because empathy has been confused with sympathy. Empathy is we understand each other, so we're going to reinforce the guidelines and move forward. Or one of us leaves, whereas sympathy is we're going to drop the standard. So I always say that uh, when I see the eye rolls with empathy or like we talked about earlier, integrity. Actually, I want to go back there. I want to go back there. So finish your point, then we'll go go back to integrity. How your brain understands it. So one of the first things I'm, I'm always working with business owners, and by that's why I love working with military people. We have all learned to function in fight, flight, or freeze very, very well. We are highly trained negative chemistry organisms until we're not, until we're drinking too much or until it's your third or fourth marriage or until the company's dissolved or all those things. Well, so is everybody now because we have news. We have news constantly 
trying to pit us against each other, politicians. If people got along like the news said they did, we'd all be at 7-Eleven shooting each other every single day. Humans get along so much better than, than the news would let on. But if we think about how your brain works, your brain naturally defaults to fight, flight, or freeze. You get tunnel vision, tunnel hearing, problem solving comes down, critical thinking comes down, self-respect is eliminated off the board. So, and I always say self-respect is the only respect. And what is self-respect? To your brain, self-respect is recognizing, and you said this, recognizing where I'm at and making a decision that comes to a more positive direction. That's all self-respect is reviewing myself, self-respect, reviewing myself and making a choice that is more positive than it is negative. That's a, that's a big Giselle, thing. Yeah, to Giselle, that's one thing. To you, it's one thing. To me, it's one thing. All three of us slightly different in the same situation, but our self-respect says this response will make me make it more negative. This response hopefully will make it more positive. So when I'm teaching self-respect, we just come out. You'll find in two or, th- two or three weeks with a company, everybody's making higher performance, higher production, higher uh, intelligent financial decisions. People aren't dumb, but they're dumbing themselves down. They're actually really brilliant, but our limbic system wants to dumb us down. Why? It's super smart. If you're stressed in your job, you are not going to be as smart, so you slow down and don't progress as well. But for us, we're adults. We make stupid choices. We spend too much money. We have turnover. We have lawsuits. We have dropping uh, stock prices. So it's it's all there. It's, it's great chemistry. And then, like you said, great skill sets and great organization. We throw some lean in there, some Six Sigma, and we're off to the races for some great uh, increase in people, performance, and perception. Okay. Because perception leads to uh, product and profit. Yes, yes, it does. But I want to go back to one thing before we wrap up the the sessions. And this has been great, by the way, a lot of introspective and self-analysis as you're sitting here. So you said – or what is your definition of integrity? It's funny. I, I don't pin down too much of a definition on this, but I, I'm, I, I'm looking over my computer right now because the whiteboards that I do classes on is right over here. If you think about integrity, first of all, it's always a sliding scale. Integrity is a consequence of how you're treating yourself. You said it earlier in your summary of skill sets and everything. Integrity is actually raising your integrity as a consequence of how you're treating yourself, what your personal discipline is, and what you're learning to make things more progressive and safer. The more you do that, the more your integrity will rise. So integrity is really your brain saying, what would be better for the outcome for us. See, integrity has no victim. So what would be better for the outcome for us? It turns well, out people us? say integrity. Who's us? Yes. Yes, the we. Because when you're in fight, flight, or freeze, it's am I safe? And when we're on a team and we're in our prefrontal cortex, we say, what would help the three of us actually progress more? I might not be correct about it, but that's my intention. So when we look at integrity, it turns out that what you say and what you think matters. Remember, I can't lie to you until I've lied to me. I can't lie to you until I make my brain very, very negative. I can't insult you until I go very, very negative and hostile in my chemistry. So the damage is done just because I wanted to. I just projected it on you so you could so you could help me end the relationship. So integrity is a sliding scale. It is a consequence of how you're treating yourself and how you're learning. I think... Maybe we're saying the same thing differently. I'm, I'm an over, over 
simpleton. I'll just say that. So honesty is telling the truth to others. Integrity is telling the truth to yourself. Oh, fantastic, Devin. Fantastic. That's it. Yeah, fantastic. That's it. Think about what you're saying in brain chemistry. So okay, what I was trying to go where you're, where you're, you were sharing yeah. that, Hey, for yourself, you have to tell yourself this and do that. Integrity doesn't rise or fall. Either you're telling yourself the truth or you're not. You're doing well, well you're not. I'm in a good situation or I'm not. This. Here's what happens. So integrity in, in, you might be in a different culture and we might say showing up on time is integrity. I've worked in cultures. I, I won't bring up the countries because people can be, I love cultural variances and uh, it all comes down to, how that culture has evolved, levels of oppression, war, famine, decadence. Uh, the United States have been very decadent for some time. So if we look at that, and there's entire cultures who think showing up two or three hours late is absolutely no big deal. But all over this country, you'd say, what is wrong with your integrity? That was your word. So remember, integrity is a sliding scale because how your brain works is is how much you think matters. But you really pinned it down. You pinned it down. Great phrasing. If you don't have self-awareness, I see Giselle on the screen. If I don't have self-awareness, I cannot be more aware of what Giselle might be experiencing in our relationship, in our conversation. So you pinned it down. My word to me. I always say my word matters to me. That's your integrity. That's your integrity. So it's really fantastic description you had. And that's why it's a sliding scale. You can work with some cultures who I used to work with a, a group of folks that first generation folks and i couldn't even spend money i would call them the radio stations do whatever and i worked with an entire community and i thought are they angry with me have i done something wrong do i not fit in i'd see them two three weeks later after calling them six times and they'd say hey how are you doing come on in let's have dinner we're gonna eat and i said yeah i've been called about six times oh i know not even i've been busy not even excuse and when i started to look at the history of those cultures i thought oh such amazing oppression, repression, suppression, that integrity is very different for them. Very, very different. So the challenge with integrity is we keep thinking that it's the same for everyone. People even say doing the right thing when nobody's watching. Well, first of all, as you pointed out, you're watching. And uh, But the bottom line is integrity is a sliding scale depending on the level of neuroscience and brain chemistry development. So one person thinks showing up on time is great integrity. The next person cannot figure out why it bothers you that, they're two, that you're two hours late. That's why integrity is a very, very dangerous word because the concepts of right and wrong are fight, flight. It's crazy. We can get too deep into it. and It'll make people's heads spin. But when you actually go through it a few weeks, you'll find everybody's examples of integrity rising because of just what you said, recognizing what makes them feel better in a decision and what makes them feel worse and a lie always makes you feel worse than finding a way to navigate to a more honest position so i love your phrasing i'm gonna yeah i'm still not sure i'm sold on the sliding scale because i just think either this is it's cool we could agree disagree either you're telling yourself the truth if you think i'm if i can be late by two hours and you if you think being two hours late is fine and that's in, in your society, that's a cultural norm and that's okay. And, and you're not lying in your mind to yourself or anyone else. Like if beer at 10 o'clock and that actually means in my culture, I have until noon versus 10. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm not lying to anyone. My integrity is not, is, isn't being questioned or not sacrificing my integrity because in my culture, that 
is I'm telling myself the truth. It's fine because I understand it. If I'm, if, if it culturally you're supposed to be 10 minutes early to everything. Okay. And you know, in your mind that you're supposed to be there 10 minutes before and you got there five minutes before. So in your mind, you know, you're late and you say, Oh yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm early. It's fine. But you know, then you're lying to yourself. Then you don't have integrity. So you may be, you may be there before the actual deadline, but if the culture says you're supposed to be there 10 minutes before, and then you know, is you know what's right and you choose to lie to yourself or others about it, then if you lie to yourself, you're lacking integrity. And if you're lying to others, then you're just a liar. You're not honest. Yeah. I love your description. The reason I say it's a sliding scale, because your description is fantastic and it's so supportive in neuroscience. It's right on there. We're not uh, agreeing to disagree at all. By the way, that's a fight, flight, or freeze response. But what we're actually saying is I love what you're saying and how you're phrasing it. You're saying, but once those two cultures mix, we start to accuse each other of an integrity problem. Now let me give you where it's a sliding scale. Okay. So we have integrity and we'll say, I won't steal from this store. What if three months from now you and your family are starving? That's what I mean by sliding scale. Depending on your level of stress, depending on your level of confidence, which is I lowered my anxiety by increasing my confidence, their oppositional chemistries. So what I mean by sliding scale is the thing that I would say is the right thing to do now is situational. In three or four months, we could be, you know, in the zombie apocalypse and all of a sudden be doing things that today we would say, I wouldn't do that because my today self wouldn't do it. So when I say it's a sliding scale, I mean situationally. The more we slide across the scale of more positive or more negative, our personal integrity shifts and we'll be doing things to your wonderful phrasing because I felt like I should and it was necessary. And in that respect, this is why I love your phrasing. You're not lying to yourself. You're saying I have a great in that instance if I if I have to eat or die and if I have to steal, all right, I'm gonna steal. Period. But I'm telling myself so I'm not I have integrity. I may be a thief, but I'm a thief with integrity because I'm telling myself. But you see why it's a sliding scale exactly. I'm so with you on this. I wouldn't say it's a sliding Sliding scale. scale I I still don't see it. But I I understand what you're saying, and it's fantastic, is that as long as I'm telling the truth. Now, multiply that by seven billion people and we have a problem with the word integrity because no two people are doing the right thing according to each other. And well, that's, that's a different dynamic. Integrity. That's a different dynamic. Yeah. That's why so everyone can be not. living with integrity in their own sense, right? Everyone can be telling the yeah, truth himself absolutely. all the time. They can be. How it's perceived by others is different. Why right? I had people performance and perception. Right? My son has special right, exactly. needs. My son has special needs. What we'll end it with this. He will sit there sometimes, Giselle would witness it. He'll sit there and he'll just close his eyes. And I don't know what he sees or what he's thinking. He is having a great time. Like he's just happy. He's just kind of swaying and he's, he, something's there. I don't know what he sees, but he's seeing something. I don't see it, but he does. So that's his reality. That's his integrity. That's whatever he sees or is feeling or experiencing is a hundred percent real to him. I don't know it. I can't see it. It's not my integrity, but that's his. And yeah. who am I to take that away from? So I still think I could see. Culturally, the view or perception of someone else's integrity may be different than yours, depending on the situation. But no matter what, if you're telling yourself the truth, that's your integrity, I think. And then, no, it's wonderful. It's wonderful and would be super science supported. So let's go back to our original statement. 
how you treat yourself and how much we're learning is the only thing that starts to bring our integrities more in alignment. Because if one culture is doing this and you're, and one year you're starving and the next year you're not. So what you're saying is, again, people get caught up in agree to disagree. If you listen long enough, everybody's on the same path. You're just describing it in your way. And I loved it because what you're saying is, no, it still resonates with me. And yet, so there's three of us here. And what we're really doing is saying, what's the training and performance and treatment of each other so that we resonate close enough to each other where our integrities are in sync, even though they're not the same. So yeah. your phrasing is fantastic, fantastic yeah. from a neuroscience perspective. It's wonderful. And when we talk about sliding scales, we're talking about the foundational. We talked about this with the SEAL candidates. We talked about this with the nursing schools and the corporations and the small businesses and the marketing. Uh, they're telling themselves the truth as they know it. Let's just be Pollyanna about it and say they are. They're I was, I was like, what are you saying? That was the, I, I was a call your integrity right there. Yeah, yeah a lie. because <laughs> of the foundational truth of how we treat ourselves and how we learn, it shows up differently If because I'm pretty Pollyanna. Oddly enough, after 38 years of doing this, incredibly uh, domestic violence, stalking the SEAL teams, I'm incredibly Pollyanna. Because I keep finding the way people can treat themselves, which, you know, starts with eating. There's whole countries that can't eat very much. And the way we learn. And if you look at every society, their biggest problems tend to be, do we actually have an environment we can learn things that matter to your brain, to your integrity, as you said? And can we treat ourselves in a way that we can eat, sleep, have relative safety and all those things? Even our news goes after telling you that we don't have those things, even if we do. That's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So imagine in today's world, you're in this country, your employees are going to come, your colleagues are going to come to work stressed out because everyone's telling them they're unsafe. It's incredible. It's incredible. So our job, whether it's wealth management, business coaching, whatever, part of our job is to actually help people live a lifestyle that they can learn to create their own feeling of safety in, thereby maintaining their own level of integrity. This is why I love your phrasing. It's fantastic. Then the more we do that for each other, the the closer our integrities resonate together, where I'm like, hey, I get it, Brett. You and I are kind of similar in our integrities. We're going to treat other people in a similar way and call that the right thing to do. So I love your phrasing. It's fantastic. Well, there we go. I remember. So, but John, if someone loves your phrasing and wants to reach out to you and find you, how does someone find you? Uh, simple. I have two websites, my, my professional uh, business coaching and uh, consulting and group stuff is at directactioncoaching.com. And my direct nonprofit, hold on, directactioncoaching.com, direct direct got it. And my nonprofit, that's all the free classes for veterans, for Navy SEAL candidates, for people who want to understand how to develop their prefrontal cortex and get a le better level of integrity, not have a sliding scale, just be more solid in it, right? Is uh, That is directaction.us, directaction.us. And like your phrasing and your company, I use direct action because we're going to do something. Everything we do is not just to hype you up. It's so that you actually practice and recognize a positive change in your business, in your personal life, in your families. That's why we're here, right? That's why you're here, right? Is to actually get That's people here, man. to do something that leaves them in a better place than they were in yesterday. Thank you. So fantastic. Appreciate it. Well, definitely appreciate you being here, John. Hopefully a couple of our listeners reach out to you for that direct action. Giselle, what are you thinking? Big takeaway from today. So a lot of personal development. It's 
focusing on yourself and how you can grow to be a better person overall in your business and in life. So that means if you need to go find some training, if you need to go read some books, go find the right people, surround yourself with them, learn from them. That's what I took away from it. I think it's good. I think it's spot crazy. on. Thanks and then if you want to go on a wealth endeavor and want a little strategy to your uh, for your wealth, give us a call. We are at SWE90.com. That's Strategic Wealth Endeavor 90.com. And I'm Brett. Thanks for listening once again. John, parting words. I know you got it. Parting words. You close it out. Well, I'll tell you, since you just talked about your business, I'm going to say you cannot do that alone. It's not taught. I looked at all the letters after your name and I kind of laughed about it and said, none of this is taught. That's why all those letters of different courses and trainings and certifications and, uh, and degrees you have. And I, I laughed and said, there's another thing that's just not taught is anything about wealth. And yet people don't know it's not taught. So I hope they call it. It's you. amazing. Everyone thinks they know there's a, no. there's a million coaches and gurus out there and this and that. And there's no quick. No quick anything. There's no. I have quick a great anything. friend who said he was managing a two billion dollar hedge fund and bouncing checks, because no one taught him about personal finance and the general organization and structure to make his life easier. He said if my clients knew that I was bouncing checks and managing two billion dollars, they would just run. And he said, but it's just not taught, even at the Ivy League level that he came out of for college. So. Thanks very much for having me. Likewise, man. Thanks for being here, John. Been a great time. Giselle, awesome. Thank you for having you here as well. Everyone, see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Veteran Entrepreneur Masterclass Podcast. Don't forget to click the follow button to become notified when new episodes become available. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, DBA, Independent Financial Partners, IFP, member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advice offered through IFP Investors, LLC, DBA, Independent Financial Partners, IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Strategic Wealth Endeavor, INC, are not affiliated. The views expressed are that of the host and are for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to buy or sell securities. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. Neither IFP Investors LLC, IFP Securities LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners, IFP, nor their affiliates offer tax or legal advice. Interested parties are strongly encouraged to seek advice from qualified tax and or legal experts regarding the best options for your particular circumstances. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors LLC, DBA Independent Financial Partners.